We're good. All right. Well, welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B podcast. Kyle here back with Tom and Ed. Uh, happy Halloween, as you can see from our costumes. Uh, Ed is dressed <laughs> up as a superhero. He's ready to save R&B. Always. But, but uh, I think the best way to save R&B is to talk about music that came out 20 years ago when R&B well, was a little, <laughs> was a little on, better. What is, what is Ed? Yeah, what are you? Oh, see, I'm dealing with people who don't know their superheroes or watch TV. I am Black Lightning. If you know, you know. Tom, it's too early. You're dipping into Henny already? Cheers, guys. <laughs> it's going to be one of those podcasts, y'all. It, it, it definitely will be. But all right, guys, I'm, ta- I'm taking this bucket off, guys. I, I can't right. focus. I can't focus on R&B with a bucket on. All <sighs> right. All right. All right. Uh, well, 2000 R&B, that's what we're talking about here today. Uh, wow, that was 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, guys, uh, was the year 2000. Can we, before we t- even talk about the Halloween stuff, can you guys tell me, did you guys believe in the Y2K bug when that <laughs> thing was a thing? Well, I won't say I believed in it, but I was very cautious. I remember I didn't go out the evening. I guess it was 99. I was at home with my parents. And everybody was just waiting to see it. We didn't think something was going to happen, but we were waiting to make sure because you didn't want to get caught slipping if the world shut down. So it took 20 years before the Y2K book killed us all, but we were fine in 2000. Let me just shout out Jermaine Dupree, who was on here. Um, we cannot wait to talk about that J.E. Heartbreak album, so stay mm-hmm. tuned. We got just some stuff for you, J.D. We're, yeah, we're ready, but. But yep. I remember Y2K. I was I was nervous. I mean, we didn't know. This was before, you know, internet was totally widespread. You didn't know what to expect. So yeah. thankfully, we're still here. We, we survived, right? Can you imagine the rumors and garbage y'all would be spreading <laughs> if it was like 2019? It would be so many memes and ridiculousness. Yeah. I actually uh, am curious to see what the music industry felt like when the Y2K bug hit. Because I remember reading somewhere where labels were really panicking because all their databases would be wiped out and all mm. their songs would be gone. Uh, JD, maybe you can answer that for us uh, as, as we go along. But let's talk about 2000s R&B here, guys. Yes. 20 years ago, I posted the collages so we know the albums. And I mean, let's get this one out of the way here. Because a lot of people got mad at me that I didn't post it in the collage. <laughs> and you know where we're going with this one. Already. We have Come to. Come on with it, player. Uh, personally, I think it's his best album. Uh, I'm talking about Mr. Uh, R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. This is the album with I Wish on it. Has... Time for me to, to tune out. I think... <laughs> I might want to mute for a minute, Tom. I, think... <laughs> I believe Fiesta's on this album, too. And... This album is actually pretty solid, but Ed, talk about this album, TP2. You, you see, I had to take a swig because the last time we talked about the Pied Piper, I like lost my voice for like 10 minutes because God was like, <laughs> no R. Kelly on the podcast. And I will just say this as a disclaimer as before. This is a historical look at the year 2000 and to look back at it and exclude the contributions of that gentleman would be a grand disservice because we're looking at this historically. We aren't condoning anything he said, may have said, done, may have done. But I agree with Kyle. I think that it's it's my favorite R. Kelly album. I don't think it's his best. I think it's very close. We talked about in 2003. I think Chocolate Factory is number one. 
But when it comes to the album that really helped transition his sound into the new millennium, this is it. And one of my favorites of the year, objectively speaking. Mm. Tom, don't you like not like the song I Wish? I don't like it, guys. I mean, <laughs> I want to hear what, what people in the comments think, but I never liked it. I mean, I don't either. Yeah, lyrically. And I don't like Fiesta either. Oh, fi- oh Fiesta, man. I mean, Fiesta, they, they pushed that on us. They really forced us down our throats as a single. I never thought it was that good of a song. I mean, Me neither. It was an interesting time because remember, this was before you had SoundCloud artists coming out and breaking out on their own as, you know, as stars and. This was when labels still dominated and could and can control things. So yeah. if a label wanted to make a song a single and make it stick, they had the money to do it. So I'm I'm not saying that's what happened, but I feel like you know, R. Kelly was the biggest name at the time. They could make that happen. Yeah, Indeed. and then and then after that, Tom, it was Snake and Thoya Thong and oh man, doing God. oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> scraping the barrel tonight. Uh, well, we got that over with. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're done talking about Kells. Uh, let's talk about some other R&B albums that came out in 2000 here. Um, I want to start off by talking about the Jagged Edge album, J.E. Heartbreak. Jermaine Dupri wow. is in here, tuned in. Appreciate you for joining us, J.D. But J.E. Heartbreak, the album. Guys, this was a couple years removed from their debut. It kind of took them some time to follow up to the sophomore album. And what a sophomore album. Hit after hit. Let's Get Married, He Can't Love You, Promise. Keys to the Range. I know you love that song, Tom. Tom, I'll start with you. Talk about that album. I know it's one of your favorites. I was really looking forward to that one in 2000 when it came out because I love their debut. And man, that has become one of my favorite albums front to back. I'm looking at the comments. You know, some people are mentioning some songs they like as well. But front to back, shout out to, to B. Cox, some of his earlier work. Shout out to Jermaine Dupree, who was in here. Shout out to Jagged Edge, because they followed up their debut album with an album I consider even better than their debut, and uh, really solidified themselves as one of the top groups in R&B, so love that album. But Ed, I want to hear your thoughts. Tom, when you're right, you're right. (laughs) I mean, I was a big fan of the debut. I thought it was, and to be fair, just to be honest, because we keep it 100 on the podcast, I wasn't even that excited for the the sophomore album. I liked the Mm. singles. I was a big fan of the group. But I was just blown away at the consistency, and they just had really found their groove by the second album. It had the first one I loved, the second one took it to a new level. And I talk about this all the time in my album reviews. I just talked about it in my Buster Rhymes review. Y'all go check that out on Soul and Stereo. Great album. But what to me, what makes a great album and not some of these albums y'all get hype about on Twitter for two seconds that has three songs that you like. When you have great singles mixed with incredible album cuts. I'm looking at Instagram and I'm looking at all these album cuts that people are naming that were never on the radio, but you remember them because they were so solid. That's what makes a cohesive, strong album. When you can go from single album cut, single album cut, without skipping, without losing a beat, that's a great body of work. To me, by far, their best project. And we, Well, we got to talk about the intro, the J.E. Heartbreak intro. That's one of the greatest intros with the piano. Wow. <laughs> no right argument. Track, Amazing intro, but I'm going to ask you guys this. I want the people to participate as well. And if you're listening to this, uh, you know, on, on, on Spotify or Apple Music, you're missing out, come join us on YouTube and Instagram Live every week. But what's the better version of Let's Get Married, the original or the remix? I got I to gotta go original 
for now, just because the remix just got so played out. But the remix is so fun. And I love a remix that there are like two types of remixes, especially in the 90s. It's like one that's the same song with a rapper yeah. thrown on the back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or one that completely reinvents it, that it's a whole new song. And that's what this is. It goes from a slow jam to an absolute party starter that has become a wedding staple for 20 years. Can't really hate that. They have an absolute classic record. Again, that's what a classic is, y'all. Something that stands the test of time. I would say objectively that the remix has a better legacy, but for me, Mm. I'm probably going to rock the original more likely than not. Let me just shout out Jermaine Dupree once again, because you know, back in the day, P. Diddy claimed he was the remix king, but man, Jermaine Dupri yep. really brought some amazing remixes, gave them whole new energy. It wasn't like Ed said, where he just threw a rapper on the song and made it the same song. He he created a whole new song out of it, and yep. he was masterful at that, you know, and we got to give him respect for that. It's not R&B, but you know what my, one of my favorite remixes of all time is? The Big Papa remix, J.D. Mm. remix. Yep. Wow. He just completely flipped the beat. Yep. One of my favorites of all time. But yeah, that's what we take. Take an incredible song, make it completely different, but even still hot. Yeah, we can't we can't forget about those Mariah remixes either. But this is a two thousands episode. This is not yeah. an episode about JD. We might do that another day. So I'm gonna go through a couple more albums here. I'm scared to ask about this question because Tom and Ed fight every time we talk about this album. Oh no. Oh whoa, what's this? Voodoo, the Angelo. Oh boy. We're starting well, early. Well, um, I'm well, curious. Go ahead, Kyle. Go ahead before I get well, into I'm it. actually really curious amongst the people that are tuning in, who loved this album from the get-go? Because there's people like, you know, there's a lot of people. We spoke to Bobby V, and it took him a couple of listens to really get it. Um, some would say that Tom and myself still don't get it. Ed, I know you're only okay with this album. But this album, if you go on Twitter, everyone loves this album. So where do we stand with Voodoo? I have said a million times, it is one of the most important albums, but it's not truly an R&B album in the terms of the albums we'll be discussing today. It's a funk album. It's like a completely different sound that's an offshoot of the R&B that we know. If you ain't down with that dirty, stinky, sweaty funk, you're not going to get with it. And to me, I can appreciate it as a reviewer, but as just a fan, it's not my type of music. But I never say it's a bad. I've seen, I mean, y'all think it's like a bad album. I would never say that. Mm. It's just not for me. I saw the comment from our guy, I think Shaquille Perry, I'm trying to go through the comments, mentioned Ed has, untitled, How Does It Feel as an R&B Song of the Decade. Now, it's interesting to revisit that song. Because remember that I feel like that made the project what it was because a lot of people weren't paying attention until D'Angelo came out with a six pack and, and chiseled body half oh, yes. video. And that kind of made people pay attention because I mean, that, that's just the way it was. I mean, we have to keep it real, but for me, I still, I've tried so hard to understand this album over the years. I've revisited like every year. It's just not like, I mean, it's just not for me. I like some songs like Send It On. And I really like, I actually like Devil's Pie a lot, you know, with the rap mm-hmm. features on there. Yeah. Left and Right, I never really got, you know, the single with Method Man and Red Man. Um, there's a few others, but man, I love Brown Sugar. It's probably one of my Holy Grail favorite albums, but this one did not really do it for me. And this is like a, tw- a Twitter thriller. I know we have that feature on here. 
Yep. People say this is like one of the a classic. I can't see it, guys. Ed, what are you drinking? Unlike you, I'm drinking water. I don't have anything. Oh, that's... I don't have anything spiked in it tonight. <laughs> All right, so Kyle, I mean that's that's how I feel. Yeah. Tom, I'm actually surprised you didn't dress up like D'Angelo in the entitled video for this podcast. Oh, my God. Now, this that is, listen, be- guys. This is a visual podcast. I don't need all this. <laughs> listen, guys, I have a son now. I'm not in the gym as much as I'd like to be anymore, so <laughs> I can't quite pull that off. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, I want to talk about two other albums here. And these two, I think, are – like, I think they're – universally acknowledged as great albums but i don't think people talk about how great these albums are enough especially today dave holly dave hollister's chicago 85 and joe my name is joe ed i'll start with you dave hollister what do you love about this album player listening they won't talk about how great this is black lightning's going to talk about how great this is (laughs) right here tonight because that album is incredible I've talked before about how Dave Hollister is one of the most unsung voices and artists of this era. And this album, to me, Chicago 85, should have put him at the top. It's one of those albums that if it dropped today, Twitter would lose its absolute mind. But Mm. competition was a lot heavier then. Didn't really get the mainstream push it deserved, despite some great songs. I kind of compare it to J.E. Heartbreak in that it's an album that had great singles that people remember kind of defining singles for his career, but front to back. Just incredible performances, incredible vocals, incredible album cuts. One of those albums you can let go, throw it on, don't skip a beat. Just so solid from front to back. It's his best work. Mm. And Tom, my name is Joe. I want to know, huge song. You have Stutter, and then you have the remix with Mystical. This album, probably Joe's best, if not his second best, but Tom... How big was this album for Joe? This was huge. I mean, Joe, I mean, people don't realize his first two albums before this one were actually really good as well, mm-hmm. especially his second album. Mm-hmm. But he had NSYNC on this album. I mean, how crazy is that for an R&B singer to have NSYNC on their album? He had that song with Mariah and Nas, the remix, yep. Thank God I Found You on this album. I mean, that's just like some of the, the later songs. But realistically, there were so many songs that could have been singles on this album you know, from, from front to back and definitely is probably his most consistent work from, from top to bottom, maybe his best album. I still really like his second album, but this kind of made Joe a household name at this point and sent them to becoming one of the top artists in R and B. And he's never looked back still at, you know, at that point and uh, much love to Joe. Can we talk about the stutter remix that hit number one on the billboard 100? Um, you know, the original was great. But the remix really took yeah. it to another level. Of course, I had the sample, but that remix was huge. Yeah, and I think, again, what we were discussing, I don't think people really give Joe his props as far as being... Joe, to today, we remember he's kind of like a R&B stalwart. Like, he's the guy that's Mr. Dependable. He's always going to put out a project. Might not get the mainstream love it deserves, but you know you'll get a solid project. But this Joe is at the pinnacle of his mainstream height and success. So he'll always have Stutter as the one track that helped elevate him. And he had the remix to the Mariah remix sampling who? My boy, Keith. Mm. But (laughs) this was, to me, Joe's probably height as far as mainstream success. And when people think about, and it drives me crazy when people are like, I haven't heard from Joe since, what's he been doing? I haven't heard from him since (laughs) Stutter. Like, pay attention. 
because this, this is why people remembered him because that run was so huge. But fans know Joe ain't never been anywhere. He's still consistently popping up and doing what he does. I, mm. I see a comment here saying, I met Joe and he, he's humble. He's one of my favorite artists. Let me tell you guys, Joe is one of the most humble and down to earth artists you'll ever meet. Truth. You know, super cool. We love Joe. That's one another reason we love Joe. Yeah. But Ed, I just got to say that remix with your boy Mystical. I'll tell you, I never really understand what Mystical is saying on a song. He's just kind of screaming and yelling. But I mean, I guess it works. <laughs> Mystical is not my favorite, but this is why <laughs> I I keep going back to Buster Rhymes and the album he dropped um, a couple of days ago. What I miss so much is energy. I, everybody yeah. on the radio from R&B to hip hop sounds like they half asleep. They yeah. sound like they just rolled somebody, rolled them in the studio. They have no <laughs> life. Say what you want about Mystical. That man is nothing but pure energy. And it gets you hype, even if he's talking ridiculous. Give me energy in my music, please. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. Uh, I'm going to name a couple more male albums that came out this year uh, before we move on to the females here. We've got Boys to Men, Nathan, Michael, Sean, and Wanye. We've got Gerald Levert. We've got Guy. We've got Casey and JoJo. They were doing their crazy thing. On that on that album, and Ed, we got Keith Sweat. Didn't see me coming. That's the one with the little mole record on it, right? It is. This album mm. was a little bit more hip hop than his usual albums, but I liked it. And then we have Profile, Nothing But Drama, and Next. Welcome to Next to See. What did you? What albums stand out there, Tom? I like that Next album. I know it doesn't get as much attention as some of their uh, their you know their debut, but it, it had Wifey on it, and um, Beauty Queen. I think was the lead single, which didn't blow up huge but it was also a solid effort but there's some album cuts i mean next like i always talk about rl is our guy sometimes they don't get the attention they deserve but they put out good music you know just because it wasn't a single they have some good album cuts so you know i don't mind highlighting that one and ed i need to talk about the boys to men album because i feel like and i'm curious what the people say about this album because this is the album that they did on their own without all the top producers they wanted to produce and write it off you know on their own and a lot of boys to men fans like diehard boys to men fans love this album but the general public not really talk about that ed i think this is because when we start going into 2000 Again, as I've said a million times, I feel like the audience starts to kind of shift a little bit every decade. And Boys to Men really wasn't the mainstream force it was. Hip-hop was starting to move into a different genre, starting to get a little bit more youth-centric, and they were kind of still doing their same thing. I'm a fan of the album. I, it's mm. not my favorite. I can't remember where I ranked it. I know I ranked their album. Someone will come in the comments and say, you ranked it at number seven. I can't remember <laughs> where I ranked it. But I do like it. And I think it's a little underrated. I think some people do overrate it a little bit, but it's a solid album in their discography for sure. I just want to shout out the, I see in the comments, people are mentioning the profile. Personally, I never got into the song Liar. I never really liked it. It wasn't for me, but I just want to shout out Joe once again, because he wrote, if you guys didn't know, he wrote on both of Profile's albums. Mm. So, I mean, I they actually know. had a star-studded cast and they had some solid albums, even aside from the singles. So... Yeah. You know, shout out to Profile. Yep, shout out to Profile. Um, let's get into the ladies here. Some great R&B albums that came out from the ladies. I'm going to start out here talking about Tony Braxton, The Heat. Mm -hmm. You've got um, Just Be a Man About It. You've got, of course, the big record, He Wasn't Man Enough. 
he wasn't mad enough. I think I mentioned this like last episode. It sounds exactly like you rock my world, but I actually probably enjoy he wasn't mad enough more than you rock my world. Yes, because as I said, I'm not a fan of you rock my world. So send your hate tweets to E.T. Bowser on that one. <laughs> but that album to me, like I really enjoy that album. It's probably my third favorite Tony album. It probably it goes one, two, three, or two, one, three. I got number one and two I gotta decide on. But this was actually a solid body of work and it really transitioned her into the two thousands. Just be a man about it. Of course, with Dr. Dre doing the speaking parts, I thought that was really cool. And there's a couple yeah. of cool album cuts on there. Uh, Fairy Tale, the one that Babyface wrote, I really like that song. Um, Ed, that was a good reintroduction to t- for Tony into the 2000s, right? Uh, it was solid. I, I will admit that when this first dropped, this, now that I think about it, this is the first era that we discussed that I'm actually in college the whole time. So, yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> young for once. So I rocked this one in college. And when I first got it, I thought it was just okay. I love the singles, but the album cuts weren't really hitting for me. But over time, because as you pointed out, Kyle, this is a slightly different sound for Tony. Mm -hmm. And I think it worked. It was just one that my ears just had to adjust to a little bit. So, yeah, this was one that kind of helped transition her to a new new millennium, so to speak. We were saying that to death in 2000, for those who don't know. But, yeah, at the time, I was kind of like, I don't know about this one. But it (laughs) was Well, let me add, let me add one thing, Kyle. We often talk about these artists who, you know, they go trendy after a couple albums to try to, you know, remain relevant. Yeah. But I thought he wasn't man enough. Was Tony Braxton going gracefully into, yeah, you know, in, into her evolution, which I right. think is great. We don't give artists enough credit for that. We don't celebrate that enough. So, this album, like like you mentioned, she took it to another sound, but it worked. It wasn't like she was trying too hard. So we got to respect that. Yes, in 2020 terms, it's like I don't mind an R&B artist using a little bit of trap-inspired stuff, but if you're an R&B artist out here rapping, throw it in the trash. <laughs> Age gracefully into the new yes. style. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Tom, we got to talk about Maya's album. Case of the X is on this album. Falling is on this album. I Great love album. this album. Is Falling now, on this? No, Falling's not. No, Falling's on the Best, of, on the best of Me is on this album. Mm-hmm. That's Best of me was on this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was this was an album I really liked because I was looking forward to this one. I liked her debut. The Best of Me remix with Jay Z gets more of the credit. I actually preferred this version with Jadakiss that was on this ah, album. My boy, I agree. Yes, I like the original. I feel like one. we're the only two that that feel that way, but maybe people in the comments could chime in. Oh no, the, the comments gonna slander us. <laughs> Case of the X was obviously a huge single for Maya. Well, this to me was another album that had some some deep album cuts that I really liked didn't get the recognition they deserved. And regardless, this album, you know, made Maya, you know, a huge star. She wanted to do Lady Marmalade a couple of years after that. And, um, you know, the rest is history, but another solid album in Maya's catalog. It might be my favorite Maya album. I haven't, mm. she, I haven't ranked her discography yet. I'll get to it, y'all. I'm only yeah. one man, but I, this might be my favorite of her albums and plenty of album cuts, Fear of Flying, Man in My Life, the MJ kind of remake thing. Mm-hmm. Really fun album. I agree. Uh, let's talk about Erica Badu here. She dropped her album, Mama's Gun. Ed, big album here. Big album. I love this album. And for a lot of Badu fans, they think that this is her best work. I kind of still think her debut is best. Her debut is five stars to me, by the way. So I don't think this quite measures up to that. I know y'all going to get me in the comments, but 
I said what I said. This was a really, really, really strong album that, again, helped move her a little bit more into a different direction while keeping her core sound. And it has some of her most memorable songs on it. This was a big one for Badu. I'll tell you what, guys, and, and for everyone listening to this, this podcast, you know, via audio, you know, we do this thing live every Saturday night. So feel free to chime in on YouTube, on, on Instagram. But, man, we got to do a, a, an episode where we just acknowledge these comments. I'm reading these comments, guys. I would love to acknowledge all these. We they just got to so interact fast. with our fans. One episode, guys. Let's just do that. Let's just talk to the to, to everyone tuned in all night, and we'll have a good time. But yeah, I, said, I had cool. to mention that we're reading them. <laughs> um, Tom, let's talk about Tamia's album here. Follow up to the amazing debut, but the second album, "Stranger in My House." That's that's a great song. Shout out to Shep Crawford. But the second album, a little different than the debut. A little different. Yeah, she went in kind of a different direction. She evolved her sound a bit. I believe that Can't Go For That was the first single, which yep. I thought was a cool song, you know, had the sample on there. There's some other songs I like on there as well. Um, I didn't like it quite as much as her debut, but I, I also really like this one as well. So to me, it, you know, you know, made another strong impact and she kind of solidified herself as one of the top voices in R&B. And we still yeah. get her as that. There's no such thing as a bad to me album. So yeah. even though this one to me, I wouldn't call it, it's probably not in my top three or four Tamiya albums. Probably more in the middle, maybe even closer to the end, but that's not a slight mm -hmm. on it. It's still a great album. Of course, Stranger in My House is the crown jewel that we all remember, but it's a good album, solid from front to back. I see this comment from Lawrence. Dear John, yes, amazing song, agree. Oh, yeah, Dear John. Mm, yeah, that was, a, that was an awesome song. Um, Man, so many albums that we can talk about here. I'm going to name a couple here, and you guys just let me know what stands out to you guys here. Uh, let me just pull up my phone here to get the entire list here. Nicolette Carney, that's fourth on your list. Yeah, mm. that, that's probably not going to make my top, yeah, my top yeah. five, but Tell Me Who is, is the favorite on the album. I thought Tell Me Who was cool. Yeah. Not one of my favorites, but it's a good song. Okay, I'm going to name a couple more albums here from the fate, from the ladies. You guys let me know. Uh, Shantae Moore dropped an album. Kelly Price dropped an album. Sade. I mean, we got to mention Sade here. Ed, maybe you can touch on Sade right now. Um, which Sade album was that? Lovers I just suddenly Rock. went blank. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Again, this is an album that Sade fans love. To me, it's not my favorite Again, Sade is kind of like, to me, not really a bad album per se, but it wasn't as just memorable as some of her bigger hits from a few years before. So solid, but not my favorite. Kyle, I got to be honest. I'm just yeah. waiting for the, this rookie conversation. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to it. We'll get to the rookie conversation. You know why, Ed? I know oh, why. <laughs> I've been ready for this. Uh, can we get into the rookie conversation now? Well, yes. let me talk about my girl, Kelly Price. First, All right. All I right. got to shout out my girl, and he's going to shout out his person in a minute. So you know how much I love Kelly and how much I love the debut album, my favorite R&B album of all time. So I was expectations were pretty high for this one, and because my expectations were so high, when I heard it, I was like, yeah, that's all right, but this ain't the five-star incredible joint I was expecting. But over time, it was an album that I grew to really love, and she's got some really fun album cuts. Like Married Man should have been a single. I will say that to my grave. Hold on, hold on, Kyle. I see this comment from our boy Shaquille Perry. We got to discuss Carl Thomas. 
Yeah, we will. Oh, we we gonna get the call. Oh, that we're was his rookie there. album, Shaquille. Yes, that was we gonna rookie get album. There. Relax. Uh, we, we're getting there. We're getting there. Relax, we'll, Shaquille. Okay, we'll get to the rookie albums now. So I apologize if we skipped anyone else here. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we also got some hate on uh, on Twitter for mentioning R. Kelly, but oh boy, your 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 disclaimer didn't work. But this whole uh, thing could be over heard. for that, you know. Like we could end up being over. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate you guys even more for tuning in.